Hello, welcome. This is Quantum Nurse. This is Grace Asagra. Today, we have a special guest, my dear colleague from Goddard College, Dennis Rea. Welcome, Dennis. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Grace. And I welcome our audience, and thank you for being with us and uh, ready to have a conversation that would be engaging all about art. Okay? Yeah. Sounds good. Yes. So, Glad Dennis, you had me. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Dennis, from what I remember, we met in one of the Goddard College Alumni Weekend. Yes. And I saw your artworks, your art pieces, because you were part of that art exhibition during the exhibit. And yeah. for me, that was already eye-catching. And of course, meeting you was also eye-catching because you have that <laughs> artistic personality that one can sense right away. Uh -huh. So <laughs> as a Goddard College graduate, um, from what I understand also, and I remember, you were in real estate for many years, right? Yes, I, uh, I owned some apartment buildings, small apartment buildings where I grew up. And I grew up in a construction company, so uh, I amassed these, a duplex, a fourplex, and a fiveplex. So it kept me busy as a handyman, and I managed everything, and, uh, and I had a very nice relationship with the tenants. We just sold the buildings, in fact, last year, just decided to sell, retire, and do more art. So that was what I was doing a lot and not doing hardly any art at that time, unfortunately, because it was uh, at that time at Goddard, when I was there in the late 70s, there were hundreds of students. It was a vibrant, very vibrant place, full of energy, uh, full of ideas, of course, like college is, but also being in the Green Mountains was this a luscious experience. So when you leave that college life, you go back home or you move on. But in my case, uh, I went back and I don't regret it, but uh, I wish that we had had the internet sooner. It would have helped us all hooked up with more people uh, sooner, but, I, but it's great that we are now to find some friends that we knew from school. And uh, I really uh, had the greatest inspiration at my art classes at Goddard, painting and drawing and dance. I took dance every, almost every day uh, after my second term, I think. Uh, so it was just a great uh, incubation period of growth, learning, experimentation, movement, Movement dance is the best as a form of exercise or how, whoever you want to, however you want to call it, you know. But I got back to the artwork now since I'm retired. I actually started a few years ago, more than a few years ago. I started drawing with my finger on the iPhone when it first came out and they had some apps. And I got, you know, fairly good at that using just your fingertips. But then when the iPad came around and the pencil, it brought everything together so well that an instant studio in the palm of your hand, you know, you didn't have to go to a particular place for your easel or your, your paints and brushes. Uh, if you couldn't do that, you had the iPad very accessible. So I love that. That's. I'm glad to be in the, in the technological period we're in, uh, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that interest in uh, drawing and painting via technology, what's going to happen with the building that you and your wife created? And as far as uh, you said that this building was created for you and your wife and other artists to, to yes create artworks that are too large or sloppy to do in homes, like your home. 
So that has been your goal. Yeah. Are you still going to pursue that? Yes. Yes, we are definitely. We we uh, uh, we we acquire. <clears throat> excuse me. We acquired this um, duplex right in the city. In fact, it's only a mile from where we live now, uh, in our condominium right here in uh, Central Oakland, which is Central Pittsburgh. And it's a duplex, and we rented it out. Uh, but then we decided we wanted to do this to make it a space where I could paint, I could do some small sculpture, uh, and not get, not mess up, you know, our apartment. Doing digital art, art is great in my in the confined space of the condo, but I've been wanting for years to get out the brushes again, the uh, the charcoal and paper and and do art uh, of all various kinds, you know, of all visual and uh, 3D also. And my wife does sewing, so she wants to set up there to do some quilting perhaps and other uh, combining visuals with fabric uh, and her sewing because she's a very good sewer. And my daughter, stepdaughter does stained glass. She's a very good stained glass artist. Uh, so it's an opportunity if I can entice her to do a large scale that we have some space where she currently does not have a large studio uh, to do that either. So the idea is to have some, some unique uh, larger items uh, that will hopefully just help stimulate us all to do more great art and share the art with people. And with technology, can you design also a large scale art through technology and transcribe it into, you know, and into a real piece that you could touch? Uh, yes, uh, large scale though is of course, limited. I guess you're referring to the 3D printers mm -hmm. technology. And I've only experimented with that a couple of times. And I actually did use an image. Uh, I used to do Cinema 4D, which is a great uh, uh, 3D imaging uh, modeling program. And I don't currently use it, but when I did, it was easy to... <clears throat> take that file right from Cinema 4D as a PTL file you know, over to a website where they showed you how it would look printed out in plastic. And I never did order one. They're, ex they're expensive. And well, I find that technology of 3D printing very interesting. And it's not appealing to me right now because of the plastics. It's mostly plastics there's a lot more material materials being used but i think you know that gets even more expensive so my idea is to incorporate my, the visuals we do by hand and whether they're by hand uh, with brushes and chalk or whatever uh or stitching uh to digital but combining that into a presentation so as as uh as as long as you're at the same time that you're producing the art, then ultimately I'd like to have uh, cameras set up, uh, of course, motion stop photography to document the progress, which, which is always fun and sometimes very informful. You can also learn so much. I learned so much more by making my marks on the iPad because, it's, because you can instantly go back uh, you know, a hundred times and try different things out. So it's a very different process. And it's a very different art, obviously, than actually using physical elements. But you can really let your imagination run wild. For instance, you don't have to wait for paint to dry. If you want to make a change on the camp canvas, normally you would scrape that section off uh, and then go ahead in and try something else. Uh, and that's a great experience also because it happens at a different tempo, a much different tempo. Uh, so you might be working on several pieces at a time. Uh, well, the one painting that you're wanting to change is drying and you're working on another one. 
so one is not better than the other. I want to make that clear. Uh, not at all, because uh, variety is the spice of art, the spice of life. So, um, but it is amazing how much you can learn, how much I've learned about my technique for looking at what I did and how when I started a drawing, it almost never looks anything like what I started when I finish it, which is amazing. And sometimes not great, but usually great. <laughs> I'm glad you said that one is not better than the other. Cause Definitely not. <laughs> uh, I'm I've... even thinking about doing black and white photography again, pinhole camera, which I haven't done, of course, since grade school, pinhole camera, expose the paper, and put it in the development bath, put it in the fixer bath, and then put it in the wash, hang it up to dry, and you have a, a photograph. And there's nothing like it. Uh, and they're all great. Well, what, looking at you and looking at your painting, I see that you really enjoy doing it, you know? I do. I, well, I do. Then, so my, my first question to you, when I reach out to you is, why do you paint? Yeah, why do you paint? I always, you know, when people talk about why they do things, or I'm always reminded of a quote, who I've, I don't know who, who said it anymore, but a writer, and I, he said, I write to know what I think. I think that's very applicable across the arts, experiential. It's very experiential, of course. Um, when I start uh, a painting or a drawing, usually I might have a subject in mind or a recent um, experience, you know, uh, if I'd taken a trip or taken a walk, something might influence it. But I start with a stroke. I start uh, just making a stroke and, and adding to it and perhaps blending it or painting over with something. And you start to see uh, the trompe d'oeil, if that's, I didn't say it quite right. But you start to see things actually uh, come into your view of imagination. And that's what's great because you, if you're not worried about going too far at the beginning and really pushing it, for me, those motions, when I talk about making a mark, a stroke, those are really physical and enjoyable moments uh, when the artist has become familiar with the, they become the tools or understanding of why do I paint? It feels good. I love the colors. I love the blending of the colors, the, the tricks that shading and light and color play on our eyes. You know, we, uh, I had a teacher once who was very good who taught drawing uh, just by making curly, curly cues and with a face in mind and the eyes start coming out the nose and the eyebrows will start to find a form. And for me, relationship between that and the way the artist moves their hand, their arms or shoulder. And obviously, if you're working on a large canvas, uh, you might get in to some of that motion, which is, you know, a, another part of the experience. Whereas, uh, you know, if you're doing a large mural, but you're being very intricate, that's like another, another part of it, right? So, it's the experience is wonderful. It's just uh, so many variations. Uh, I've seen Filipino artists who did large scale and it looks intense when they do it because they have, they have like uh, ladders. They, you know, because yeah, scaffolding. <laughs> most Filipino artists, they're, they're tiny. So, and then the pieces are huge. Yeah, that's always amazed me. I've never done done that. Except for one piece we we did do in college as as a group, uh, it's a lot of fun. 
that was actually 3D with, well, we put, it was an outside piece on the outside of the um, painting studio. So it was wooden and we decided on shapes together and colors. And we cut out some patterns of some of the shapes of wood to, and applied to the building in different uh, depths so that there was actual physical depth. And then we painted, uh, and it was a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I didn't think I have that photo somewhere, but I, I don't have it available. Not available at the moment. <laughs> what type of artists are you? Are you the ones who know already what they want to complete, you know, or do you have that in your mind, an image, or you just have a concept maybe, and it's not, it's a little fuzzy, and then as you go along, it becomes clear. Uh, which yes, is the it, process. Yeah, the process is, it usually is fuzzy for me from the beginning. Um, <clears throat> let me think. Process from the beginning. Most, <clears throat> the most thing I like um, that I'm looking for is really luminous color. Like, I think I've always loved that one, even back in high school when I did um, some silk screening. I just loved the big areas of color. They always, they always just hit me in a really good way. Uh, so I like, it's like a large detail, perhaps, of something. Uh, I have a picture, I have a, something maybe I can share with you. Uh, I just love to see color so big in the stroke, uh, evidence of the stroke of, uh, of, the, of the color on the canvas, you know, or the chalk or the pastel, how it falls away from the paper and leaves that wonderful sheen. The colors, it's always, always the colors for sure. Colors have been used in ancient uh, times for healing. And even currently, almost everyone talks about colors. And you know, so even when they talk about the chakras, there are different colors. Uh -huh. And in a lot of senior places, um, nursing homes, uh, assisted livings, or activities for the elder or sen senior, senior centers, uh, There's always some art activity. Yes. Why do you think it's important? And even for children, right? We always, that's, that's sort of like the emphasis is like when you're a child, you keep giving uh, them some artwork. And then when you're older, you keep giving. And somehow in between, you sort of lose it or it's sort of not emphasized so much. So I want to talk about what do you think of that, um, why it's important that, you know, art is like one of the activities that one can have, and they always relate it to a way of healing. Well, I think that it's very, it's very important to have art, uh, to promote artwork, especially from the beginning, because most uh, children can teach us all the time more than we could teach them about artwork if we let them experience experience the outdoors, experience everything with uh, paintbrushes, finger painting, which they do. And as you said, you're right, you lose it along the way in the higher grades, it quickly falls away. Uh, unless it's, uh, I don't know what, but that was part of my problem. I was very upset about that because uh, I did not have any good art classes after probably fifth grade at the, at the latest. Uh, after that, they were complete zoos. If we had art classes, they were badly or unsupervised or unsupervised. And people would just be having a ball fooling around and you could never concentrate. Uh, I couldn't concentrate very well under that because no one was making art, just having just making, just getting the yayas out from being kept in school. Being kept in school, so I started researching alternative schools when I was in high school, uh, which led me to Goddard. But uh, it's very important if, if societies would implement it somehow, but 
we're, we're just too institutionalized, in my opinion. Schools, out of necessity of cost scaling, have built these huge schools. Uh, and you're inside too much. And I think that alone works against any healing process. Art is healing in the sense it is healing because if you're able to do art, it means you have the time, the energy, especially the time, the permission, and you've given yourself permission, but you have the resources uh, to do that. It is a meaningful activity. Uh, and the person, uh, person gets to know that, even if it's a new activity, uh, to them, if they're encouraged more to do it. But of course, there isn't much currency in the way of uh, marketing for most, uh, for most, it, you know, it just isn't, but it, it comes down to a much different lifestyle, of course. And as far as also, I, as far which is also part of the intrigue or allure of being an artist, so. As far as I remember also, um, I, I'm not sure if you know Dr. Bernie Siegel. He, uh, was, he was one of the pioneer, he was a psychiatrist and, uh -huh. and he, one of his ways, and even now a lot of the psychotherapists, the holistic ones, they always, in, it, they, they may, one might have a session where they ask their client to draw, you know. Uh -huh. How they lead that, I'm not sure they could either say them, draw your family or draw what you want in life or draw what you think. And so they always, they use that. So I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in art, whether it be just scribbles or paintings with colors and, you know. And then when in some workshops, what they do is after you do your drawing and anyone is allowed to say or express or describe or why, what's their drawing all about. And that becomes very therapeutic, okay? So that's how I see your art because it's so much colors and, different forms and strokes, whether you are doing it in fingers or you can imagine uh -huh. it in, in brushes. Yeah. It's and, wonderful. And in, that's why I like you to spend time and have an episode in why you paint. In, oh, I'd love to. In the article, you said that, there was, that it says, painting is a radical idea or making art is a radical idea. So uh, can you ex expand on that and see if you can connect that to the current times because our times right now is totally different from all those years that I've known uh, since I was born. <laughs> yes, yes, and, and me and yeah. many people as well. Well, I think that making art is, is a radical idea if you allow it's a subversive activity only against the current backdrop of societal norms. Uh, it is a normal for most people that want their kids to grow up to be an artist. They want them to grow up to be something they can provide for themselves and for a future family. Uh, those are real hard economic truths, how hard it is to be an artist. And that in itself, I think, makes it subversive. It's radical if you do radical things with your art expression, the way you express your art. And in terms of the turmoil uh, that we have around the world, whether it's horrible governments and pandemics, is you see more easily the outbreak, the rage that has been pent up in people for so long. Those things come out, whether it's, I, I believe they come out with the art. I believe that's why, I agree with you, that's why it can be very healing to 
make your marks to make some kind of art um, and then just talk about it into because that encourages us it's saying you're important enough to take the time to have a calm moment however that might fit into your uh your your day you have a calm moment where you can really think about something and think i mean I, uh why am i doing this why do i want to make art why do i want to try to do something different that I've not done before. Uh, why, why do I want to do that? Uh, I think, I think that you have to. And it's subversive because we're considered valuable if we expend our time efficiently. And if whatever efficiently to do what? Well, to do a good job, to be good at your work, to earn your paycheck. Those are more tangible realities. Well, when you get around to saying, well, I'd like to visualize, I have this idea. I go to bed at night and my mind is full of shapes and light and dark and suggesting a lot of things I would like to try to put on paper or canvas or whatever. And it's amazing because it can really be an eye-opening, uh, eye-opening realization of yourself and, uh, and really help you along. Many times I have to force myself to start a drawing or painting and I'll, and I'll throw away a good many of them after five or ten minutes I might just scrap it uh, but usually it's well worth uh, well worth the effort and and I wish that more young people somehow were encouraged that it's a viable uh, way of life because really I guess what we're talking about here our good health for everyone is a way of life uh to slow down a little bit i suppose not stop not never speed but a variation you know the symphony <laughs> are, you, are you mostly happy when you start painting uh no not always sometimes off lately i start painting because i'm getting anxious about the pandemic like like everyone and really it's become as a so uh, it's become a, a a balm i don't know it's become a place for me to go and when you're involved in your drawing or painting or your writing or uh, whatever you that you do you know it's very calm, can be calming on the other hand if you're doing something if you are angry and you're wanting to depict an image that isn't exactly peaceful and has some violent colors of reds and scarlet and deep umbers and all kinds of things going on, uh, sometimes then I, the painting I end up destroying it inadvertently, muddying it up as it were. I know one of um, the people whom, who, one of the caregivers for dementia, she, one of her activities to, that really, that she needs a break from her mom is, is painting. She goes to a class and, you know, she just takes, she takes painting lessons. And for her, she said that she needs that break. And um, she began to like it more and more and more, and that becomes healing for her. So I, I, yes, uh, I have done that over. In fact, in some of my de greatest depression, my because I have suffered from depression, uh, and doing pretty darn good. Um, I also took art classes here in Pittsburgh, and so we have such nice. Uh, institutions here, the uh, the art 
Museum and the Frick and Pittsburgh Center for the Arts are several places. I'm, and I found that extremely helpful for me to attend art classes and to be engaging with other, just to be around other artists, you know, sharing the space, sharing space. And that's something, unfortunately, now with the pandemic, uh, we have to be very careful how we're sharing the space. Uh, but yes, art classes, absolutely. Um, then we can get into teacher's pay, all about that, another day. Yeah. And I remember another artist in the, from the Philippines, when he got sick, he, and he is really in more to natural ways of healing. So, and since he's an artist, so he, when he was sick, he had one painting that he focused on painting and creating it. And he said in his mind and in his spirit, that was his medicine. So he just kept doing it. And that's also how he got better with no pharmaceutical medications or anything. That's so wonderful. yeah, he just like you and me and a lot of people, certain colors just brings out either the best in us or the worst in us, or it always tells something. It, um, does. it does. I think it really does does do that. There's just there's just nothing like it. Uh, Who is the most influential person for you who, who brought out the best in your art? In my art? Well, it has to be my painting and drawing teacher, James Gahagan. Uh, his, his studio classes were so wonderful. Um, he would talk about art and creating art uh, in a way that uh, he referred to in and out the in and out of space and color, um, the negative space and so on. Uh, I wish I had a recording, an audio, I wish I had an audio recording because uh, just the way that he put it was amazing. And as, he, as we would sit there at our, our easels with the live models and uh, doing our drawings of charcoal and he would come around individually and even pick up the charcoal and make some show you some ideas, you know, and, it, you know, there's nothing like it, a really great, that's, that's the a great, great artist, yeah. Does the internal environment, like in your heart or in your spirit, drives you more than the external environment, or how does the external environment affect your internal environment in coming up, you know, with a piece or with your art? Well, well, I think it's probably mostly from within, uh, probably within from within the heart, because again, it's back to that. If you let yourself experience it and don't worry about making mistakes and it feels good, it begins to feel enriching and you want to go back uh, to that. I think more of that than the external, although the, I can't say that's probably very sub, uh, subconscious. Um, on my part, how external, uh, I'm, I'm sure it, external has a gravity to it. What's your best success that you can remember? Success in anything or? Yeah, in anything. Success in anything, well, well, it's, I mean, definitely meeting and marrying my wife uh, is true. Uh, being able to go to an alternative college uh, with not successful, very lucky. You asked me what, what I, that wasn't successful, but I was very lucky. Um, it's hard for me to think what was, I was really successful. Why did, say, why did you say that that wasn't successful to the alternative college? But you're lucky. What the, what? Well, I was so lucky to be able to, to attend. 
because uh, even back then, uh, those colleges were very expensive. Uh, and they, it was alternative education without grades, no grading. Uh, so, you know, many people, I don't know, I don't know, I lost my train of thought, but. Um, right. So how does that compare now? Aren't there many alternative education nowadays? Not, uh, no, no, they're, they're not. They've been dying off. I'm I under, made to understand the smaller colleges and, uh, or they're continue to be in trouble and they, economically they've always been in trouble, you know, uh, cutting and cutting the arts, uh, the visual arts, especially visual arts, where they still have the still great teaching, small colleges for teaching, for learning education, writing uh, of all kinds of writing and healing arts and the healing arts is very important too. And I think that when you think about it, if you, if we could incorporate all these elements together, the healing arts, drama, performance art, and it doesn't have to, when you think of performance art, not on a uh, huge scale, but as a concept, a communication, and, and an introspection, and collaborating, uh, and showing young young people or any people how to collaborate together so that you can put your ideas together for a healing space, a communal, community space perhaps, in visuals and song and dance. All those, all healing. Yes. <laughs> yes, very good. I, I mentioned about alternative because I remember like Goddard as, you know, and a few other minority schools with that approach that, you know, we focus on certain arts, right? But then also, you know, and you don't usually go to the classroom and you do your own research. But nowadays, a lot are being offered online. And it seems like the one that uh, the approach before that that alternative education is now being embraced in a way. And now, especially during this pandemic, how there's all these different classes online, this and that, you know, so what we could get. So there's a lot of resources if one wants to really do that kind of art, right? Yes, there are, yes. So yes, and, but, but, you know, and again, like everyone keeps repeating, it's not the same as being, you know, in the same studio together, but it's a necessary reality today that we have to do this. And <coughs> excuse me, as we learn to do Zoom or other platforms, uh, that's what we have to do now because we have to get this epidemic, this pandemic, excuse me, under control. And we do have to have both. Uh, technology, of course, it's a good thing if we use it uh, considerably, proportionately, proportionately, somehow. But we have to get back, of course, someday, hopefully soon, to be able to be in the same studio. If he, there is one person, a young man right now, listening to us, what could you advise in terms of their love their choice, their interest, their dreams to do art, to paint or anything of that in line with art? Well, I think that I think the most uh, uh, artists of, of notes that have become notable uh, do it because uh, uh, they do it no matter what. They, they'll paint, draw on anything they can get their hands on and they just won't be told no. Even if they are told no, they will create art, paint art, maybe paint their workbooks in school and get expelled for it. Or, you know, <laughs> uh, they will just push, push, push. 
I wish I could say I was that way. I was never that way. I was far too timid. Uh, it's very hard in a young person's life because they're going through so many changes, new experiences are new. It's very, very difficult. If you can do as much of what you love as you possibly can, were you were your parents supportive of your art? They they were they were incredibly uh, supportive. Uh, uh, at the same time, I decided to uh, go back to work uh, a little bit with the family business, uh, and then got into my apartment rentals. Uh, so they were supportive and. We even did some things together, my father and I, when he was in his 80s and in the early 90s. Did some watercolor outside and even uh, even got him on the wheel, the, the potter's wheel. Thanks, yeah, thanks to Dan at Fireborn Studios in Pittsburgh because it was wonderful. He, he put, we all put the wheels out on the sidewalk this sunny day and invited the public like, to sit down and try pottery. Put your hands on the clay. And my sister brought my dad over. He sat down and it was great. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so wonderful. That's yeah. such a family therapy. And it, it is. It really is. And another thing I'd, I'd really like keep thinking of, but can't do it now, is a drum circle again, because I miss that so much. A, a drum circle. It's so a lot of fun and good energy and good exercise and you know because when you get things vibrating things start to really dance and be happy <laughs> did we have that at the reunion i can't remember <laughs> uh, no no we didn't so but i had talked about it i had talked about it but i didn't get it together uh we to did produce <laughs> when when the entire even when the country's open again, maybe we could have that. Oh, yes, definitely. Activity. But definitely. But, you know, speaking of all that art and so on, uh, and the technology and virtual, I'm so glad, though, to have people doing virtual stuff like this. And thank you again for doing this. But also to see Bread and Puppet Theater, uh, watching their uh, videos many times a week now. And great stuff. I mean, but yes, we can't, I can't live, a, I can't live alone too long. Without <laughs> so art. What, what moves you to do your best in your practice, in your art? Just pride, the pride of doing something really well. I guess I learned that growing up because my father was a contractor and, he, and I grew up seeing carpenters do really intricate work and in troubleshooting, troubleshooting and thinking of things in a different way, uh, at least for the young kid I was back then. It was, so it always was the pride of doing a job well done for someone. And that's what I also enjoyed uh, when I was uh, managing the apartments and because I would do all the repairs and the inside and, you know, cutting the grass, all those fun things. And, and for the most part, I enjoyed it. You know, it was, we had nice relationships, equitable rents and so on, I think. <laughs> where but, do we uh, see you? Where do that? we see you in five years? Oh, uh, well, I hope that the studio, the or duplex that is becoming a studio uh, encourages friends and people we don't know to stop by and maybe, you know, do some art. And that would be really great because to encourage more artists, you know, if I could come up with some magical piece of art that people would love and buy and make money, I would turn that around to pay teachers, artists to teach, to give, pay them. That's the ultimate, like the ultimate goal of fantasy. But the goal to work toward is make enough money and something to pay teachers well, artists, teachers well, 
to give free classes, free to the students. If there's one thing, so, and if there's one thing that you can change in your life right now, what would that be? Disorganization, I guess, like uh, being more organized. Um, what else? I don't know. I'm very, I'm pretty singly focused right now. <laughs> my, my, I'm forced to be. <laughs> the pandemic, I, my life is an iPad. No. <laughs> my vision, I have blinders on. My, my iPad is kind of a blinder too, you know. You know, our tools, our tools help us, but they also restrict us in certain ways. So tell me, tell me, how do you begin your day? Oh, uh, oh, I get up. Oh, I love to get up. I wake up at 6 a.m. every morning and go out to the, we have a small balcony and check out, to, you know, sit out there and enjoy this before the sun comes and blows me away because we're, we have direct uh, south facing and the sun, we have huge windows, which is great, but then it blasts me away. So like, Love to do that and eat my fresh oranges in the morning. Usually oatmeal and some great uh, maple syrup and walnuts and other maybe blueberries and or you know or cook up some eggs and and stretching too. I do some stretching. I like to do stretching throughout the day, really. But yeah, throughout the day, and it helps so much, you know. Of course it helps because it invigorates you to stretch and and move around. And I watch the news. I and I usually draw and I usually start drawing right away, sitting outside having my coffee. That's what I also also suggest to people that in between they have to keep moving in between whatever yeah. you're doing, you're sitting, you're reading, you gotta get up and move, stretch, then jump that, a little bit, <laughs> run yeah, a little bit. That's right. And that's why I guess I've always been so adamant against traditional schooling in these big schools because so much we're, you know, you're sitting down all the time. I expect, you know, most of the day, right? Unless you're really into sports, doing maybe three sports a day, maybe you're not. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's good. Now, for our listeners and who are caregivers, what advice do you think you can give? Because they're, they really, most of them are stressed, you know, from taking care of, like forever for a condition that sometimes it's so confusing for both the patient and then the caregiver and because they're related and one can be the only child and they're constantly, one has the responsibility to take care. Then if that person also has their own family, so it's like a double responsibility. So actually triple for themselves, for the family, for their own family, you know? Yeah. You know so all these things can happen and sometimes both maybe one parent may have dementia but the other doesn't but the other one is also aging and the worst scenario is both of them have dementia oh oh my goodness like if there's one action you know that the art has taught you in managing stress what can they do like say one habit in the morning and one habit in the afternoon. Well, that well, that's, it must be just incredibly difficult to say the least. But I think that you would try, you would try perhaps uh, singing uh, if, if the person were, uh, it was into singing perhaps or, or painting, painting, drawing, um, um, whatever activities I, I've never dealt with that and I can't imagine uh, because what I understand is even if you get them a uh, person 
involved in an activity, then they can just forget what they're doing uh, in the next second. Or I, I do. I really, yeah. in, in a, you know, I don't know a lot about it, but uh, it would be so difficult. I would hope they have help. If you just, as you described, the one that has no help and is the only child. Uh, he or she would certainly need a great support system. And, but without that, I don't know how. Yeah. Thank you. And I really like, I like encouraging them to um, do a lot of, um, you can call it extracurricular activities, I guess. Um, the same thing for the patient themselves or the, the, those who are suffering with dementia. Mm -hmm. um, I've met artists who were diagnosed in their later years. And one of the things, when, when, whenever I find out that they're an artist, they really, I try very hard to encourage, to find out what type of art uh -huh. they, because you know, I know there's different types of arts. Well, you know, are they into drawing or to the colors? To, and, and it amazes me. Some, most of them have not lost their skill. They, they don't remember that they are the artist. But if you offer certain things to them, like the material, you just, you yes. know, then suddenly it comes out. And, are they surprised by that? Are they yeah, surprised? Do they, yeah. they acknowledge and, it? They have may, may may have a moment of remembering it. Oh, and, and that's incredible! Yes, yeah. you know, and so, they even use uh, perhaps even using clay. You know, clay is or fabric, fabric mm -hmm. in some yeah. way. It's hard. It's hard to say. Uh, you know, with dement dementia because they forget who I am. Right, right, and, right. and, 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 and safety is also a concern for them. So any material must be in the safe materials and That's right. safe supervision, okay? Because you know, sometimes they forget also that they might put something in their mouth. Okay? Yes. So, yes. <laughs> so looking, so getting to know each person is a must. And that also goes to, to say that as a caregiver, getting to know oneself also helps because it's only us getting to know ourselves then we seek we seek or we get attracted or we make those choices of some methods holistic things to help you know i think that's very well said very yeah. true yes it is and I, I think they must have a care worker uh, for dementia patient must have just an incredible amount of empathy uh, and yes, to know ourselves, to know ourselves is a momentous thing to, to try to achieve and, and to let our children hopefully blossom. Yes, back, back to the children, but dementia, it, it's, uh, it's just horrible. Um, uh, I wish I had something more. What do you love most in your life right now? What well, most? Uh, that, that, I'm, well, that I'm retired from being uh, a landlord, even though that it was largely a great experience. But I'm glad to be retired. Uh, I love to have the time with my wife, and who's also retired, and uh, she does a lot of uh, cooking and baking and uh, sewing and. Uh, but I, and I'm trying to get her to do fabric art, but uh, being able to have the time to do art now more than I ever have. Uh, so I really love I really love that. But I I miss my friends because I would love I really love visiting with with friends. Like we all and we're all missing that. So I'm missing the thing I love a lot. Yeah. Talking about fabric, I one time I visited a, a a client with dementia, and he was she was also well accomplished here in the area, and she had a big studio at home with the studio that goes 
to the back of their property, which is oh. like wood. Oh she she did fabric. I, I don't know how she did, but she had some help already. She designs it. I forgot that the, the her style, but some some line of crochet, but at the same time, a lot of cut works. And then she would like have wall pieces. I, but of course, you you know, she was going down in her memory. And I really mm. felt so sad. I says, oh dear, it's just yeah. so beautiful talent. Mm. And she wants to do it yet, but it's not safe anymore for her to stay by herself. So. Oh, isn't that, yeah, no, I know. I know it's just the, the way, the way sometimes, but uh, to take some video, uh, nice to be able to record them doing video perhaps i think perhaps they, that would be some some therapeutic i don't know but a dementia patient doing artwork with the camera and then playing that for them perhaps showing the replay of the drawing that they do on an ipad I, I don't know i i don't know that, that's great idea it's just at least that's a great memory for the the rest of the family especially if they have grandchildren and you know yeah. so they, they, it's good to have that that's right so, i think so yeah right. so where can where can people contact you uh well uh i'm on facebook and um they can my website uh oh excuse me oh, i should put my website up is it up where i have the other one there it is <laughs> and now the commercial <laughs> hey folks did you know that <laughs> pictures have been hanging out just waiting for you to buy them <laughs> commercial over raydennis.com is r-a-y yes yes and the reason why i changed my name uh, my online name is because no one ever spells my last name correctly. You said it correctly, Rhea, uh, but I decided it would be more dynamic. Like good old Ray, you know, <laughs> Ray Y, no problem there. And Dennis, and I dropped one of my ends to make it to make it sound more French, even though I'm a, I'm not French, I'm Italian, Italian American, but <laughs> but I did take French in high school, so. That counts. <laughs> it counts definitely. We, you're entitled. We. <laughs> you're entitled to change whatever you want to change with your name. Oh, but let me say on the we, on the website, I, I'm currently migrating from one platform to the other. So right now, don't even go. <laughs> right now, I've been because I've been develop busy developing one for my other painter friend, which I've gotten pretty much under control because uh, I've learned, just learned it. But so I'll, I'll be changing that one, and, uh, but check it out. It's actually, what do they call it? Webflow, let me check my my devices. Um, it is. Oh. Give me a hard time. I'll post it to you later. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, post it to me because what I'm will do is that in the description of this episode, I'll put all your information there. Okay, great. Okay. Oh, that's so, so wonderful. Uh-huh. You know, it's and, just been too long since we were we saw each other in Vermont. Those love green mountains. We're mm. gonna make the most of this pandemic. Yes, right. yes, mm -hmm. definitely. And, and my uh, my last few thoughts for our audience is I share them a um, my quantum affirmation for the day. And I usually in the morning I choose it's a, a, a number of cards and I read it three times in the morning in the evening. And sometimes if I have time, I do it at lunch. So and intentionally when I pick one card. So today I said, 
what card can I share with Dennis and the audience? So this is what I got. Go with the natural flow. I choose to be organized, efficient, capable, and productive. My workday flows easily and seamlessly. My records are organized and easy to find. I choose to be organized, efficient, capable, and productive. My workday flows easily and seamlessly. My records are organized and easy to find. I choose to be organized, efficient, capable, and productive. My workday flows easily and seamlessly. My records are organized and easy to find. So that's our quantum affirmation for today. I thank you, Dennis, one more. I oh, thank you. you. The time is precious. And so thanks for being here. Thank you for our audience. A reminder that we have a complimentary book a coaching call. So that could end up a coaching call with me or with Dennis. So we'll see what happens, whatever you need. Feel free to connect with us and I'll put everything in the, in the description. And wow. in my language, I say mabalos or thank you. Don't let the joy, don't let anyone or anything take the joy out of your life. Oh, mabalos. Thank, thank you so you. much, Grace. Mabalos. Mabalos. Uh, that means thank you. Thank you so much, Grace. God bless you. And take care. And let's do this again soon.